Bill Simmons hosts the most downloaded sports podcast of all time with a rotating crew of celebrities, athletes, media staples, and a slew of other friends and family members who always happen to be available. Check out the Bill Simmons podcast on Spotify or wherever you get your podcasts. You could spend the weekend doing the same old whatever, or you could conquer the weekend in the all-new Hyundai Santa Fe. Visit HyundaiUSA.com for more details. Hyundai, there's joy in every journey. This episode is brought to you by Hotels.com. I was traveling internationally last year. I was in Mallorca. I didn't know the island well. I said, let me head to the north, head towards the water. Let me go on Hotels.com and see what they have available. Something preferably on the beach, maybe even a gym. Not only did I get those things, there was a kid's session with exercise, gymnastics in the water pony rides, a train. It had everything, and I didn't even want any of those things. But at least I knew they were there, just in case I changed my mind. And now finding the perfect hotel has never been easier, thanks to the Hotels.com app. Whether you're looking for a family-friendly, right, all-inclusive, or a relaxing spa weekend, you can find exactly what you need and compare hotel prices, ratings, and amenities side-by-side. So start planning your next getaway and find your perfect somewhere in the Hotels.com app. Hey, there it is. I can see the light now. There's the light. (laughs) (laughs) I can see see clearly now. (laughs) The rain has gone. Hi everybody, how you doing? Hope you're all well and safe. Welcome to Writers House on Ringer FC. Today we're going to be talking a little bit, a little tiny bit about the North London derby. Some Barcelona talk after those wonderful Messi goals. Brighton finally winning. And we're going to give flowers to Sam Kerr and Kalechi Iniacho, who both scored hat-tricks on the weekend. And my guests today are Ryan Hunt and Mr. Musa Akwanga. How are you guys? <laughs> very good, very good. Nice, nice. Living the dream. I was listening to a bit of Stadio because you know what I have to do now? If I tried to listen to a little bit of it in uh, today, but then I always stop after about 15, 20 minutes and that so as I can, I can listen to it when I'm driving back so as it doesn't, it doesn't infringe on what I'm going to say. So anybody who's <laughs> listening to this now, anything that's gone on in Stadio, um, I haven't listened to it properly yet because I, have to, I just have to skate around it because I want to make sure that I've got my opinion before, you, before hearing you two so as we can ah. see where we go. But... I'm so nervous about the derby, right? I'm more nervous about the derby now I'm watching than when I used to play because I knew I had something, I could, I could actually um, do something. And mm. more often than not, I kind of did break hearts. And it was a beautiful thing. I remember seeing, <laughs> I, I saw oh, an interview the other day when I was playing for West Ham and I scored and we beat them 2-1. It was like just the silence of the Spurs fans when they hate you so much. It's, it's, a, it's a fulfillment you can't, you just can't get. Bit and immense. it comes... It's honestly, vitamins, everything. Spiritual vitamins. And it always brings me back, always brings me back to what Rocky thought about um, Spurs. But I liked this one and I liked it, especially, obviously we played very, very well. Missed chances again, but when Lamella came on. When Lamella came on, he reminded me of how the derby used to be, how you play as a, in the derby. Oh, right. Spiky and fucking gnarly hmm. and causing problems. You score unbelievable goal. You know what I mean? Just getting in people's... That performance 
at the Emirates, if the fans were in there, would have turned that towards Tottenham because that would have given wow. their fans okay. a little bit of a buzz. And our fans would be saying, fuck it, guys, it's fucking someone get hold of him. He was really, really pushing the envelope. And it was, it was, it was good to watch simply because you're thinking he's doing exactly what I would try and do. Just upset everybody you can, anywhere you can. And, you know, it was, it was unfortunate for them that they didn't have, um, that they weren't a crowd. Mm. They needed a crowd. That's they really, so interesting. really did. Go on, Moose. Yeah, so I'm just, I'm just sorry to jump in. It's just that I'm thinking now of all the kind of spiky derby performances I've seen down the years. Someone like Wayne Rooney, you know, mm. our derby, I guess, you know, obviously there's a city, but there's, there's local derby. There's also like Liverpool United, which is the mm. big derby type energy. And I'm just thinking now, it's so strange to see a derby type performance in an empty stadium. Yeah. Because it's, it's not playing to the crowd and part nope. of that whole thing is, nope. is that, you know? And that's the thing, the pantomime villain. He was, he was a pantomime villain. And when I used to play against, especially at White Hart Lane, it was amazing. It's amazing. I would love if, 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 if you can have that Whoopi Goldberg moment where she goes inside Patrick Swayze and you can then play the derby. <laughs> because to be the pantomime villain at White Hart Lane, when they just, they just, they hate you so much and you're just, they can't do anything about it, but you're doing all those things that they just want to, if they could get hold of you, they'd probably rip you to shreds. That's how I felt <laughs> about Lamella. And then, you know, because as soon as he came on, mm. he was doing it and then he scores. Arguably one of the best goals I've seen for a long time. Yeah, it'll be like goal of the season, wouldn't it? Or one of... Yeah, pure improvisation and ability and everything and the fact that, you know, the man, he's so, so averse to using his right foot. He's so averse to using his right foot that even the defenders, Moose, right, were not ready because they're thinking, mm. it's, the ball's not set for him to hit yet. Okay. It wasn't set because they, they, if, they're looking, if they're looking at someone like um, L- L- Lamella, you know he's not, he's literally not going to hit that with his right foot. So you're thinking, oh, I've got a fraction more time to get my, by the time you do that, he's done the Rabona. So it actually just catches the defenders out of, out of, just out of sync because they think, well, he's not going to hit that with his right foot mm. because he doesn't. Bam, Rabona out of nowhere. Yeah, and as an Arsenal true. fan and, you know, desperate for them not to score, when he scored that, I was very excited. And then he looked at the way um, Reguilón celebrated. And that is how you feel. Even as um, a rival of, there, of, of, of Tottenham's, you have to give that, that improvisation and ability credit. Yeah, I think I, tweet, I think I tweeted that it was like rather, I think my exact words were, it was rather unfortunate how lovely that goal was. <laughs> I know, it's beautiful, <laughs> wasn't it? And, yeah. and, the, and the thing is because with a Rabona, it's normally a cross moose or yeah, you, yeah. You might see, it might be a cross, it's in the air. I've never seen a Rabona executed like that. In the goal, like it was beautiful. Agreed, never. Yeah, yeah we were talking about our Stadio about how the thing, for, from my point of view, that was so technically astounding about it was the fact that it kept flat. And it wasn't like a P-roller, right? It, Do you know what it's like? It was like mm. Ronnie O'Sullivan escaping a long snooker. Oh my gosh, yeah. Do you know the way it just like, <laughs> you know, the, the length of the table and just like, it just curves the last minute round mm. and it hits the, it was like that. Yeah. It through was a crowd beautiful. of players, yeah. Through a crowd. Mm. It was beautiful. And, and I was absolutely petrified for Mikel at the start of this game. Because um, Bamyang and mm. and the lateness, I used to leave so early. As to why the story about the rollerblades can, you know, I could tell that because <laughs> I left so early to get to Arsenal because I was so afraid to be late. I had so much time. I was able to do some rollerblading in the car. <laughs> <laughs> it's 
petrified. That's how early I got there. Rollerblade early. You need to rollerblade. Roller yeah, because yeah, I used to get there so early because you're so afraid of not, yes. of, of being late. But what's the effect on the other players? That's the thing. It's not just you. It's the mm. effect on the other players. The tactics are being drawn up and you've got a very specific tactical role and you're the person that can play it. And everyone's sitting in the dressing room going like, where is that person? Like, mm. it's the message. And I think, you know, I, I tend to give Arteta, I tend to give managers the benefit of the doubt, these mm. things, you know. He would have seen something he had to discipline. Yeah. And the beauty of it is now, I mean, the sad thing for Aubameyang is he missed a marquee performance, mm. right? Now he's missed, like, he wasn't part of that incredible thing. They won it without him. So actually, that is a huge power statement from Arteta. It was a big yeah. gamble, but it pays off That's now. Mm-hmm. But is there, we, right, sorry, can I ask right? you a question on this? Mm-hmm. Was there anything like that where someone big was surprisingly no. left out and you guys raised your game? No. Or was it usually you? No. I was quite fortunate because um, at the time, because I was on such a scoring spree that, um, and and when you scored back in those, you played unless Mm. you were properly injured. You didn't even get taken off towards the end because you could still maybe nick that goal. I was very fortunate in that way. But like, even when Alan Smith or Kevin were playing Mm. and as much as, you know, Kevin would maybe score, Alan would score, they do it. I just didn't care because- I, yeah, I didn't care simply because I know that I'm going to get another chance and I know I'm going to get chances made for me. And then when Dennis came, even even more so, mm. I wasn't afraid. Like I say, the time when you, af- when you when the, the light goes on and all of a sudden you start to be aware, aware and wary of what's going on is when Anelka walks through the door, you know that, that hey, Hey, there it is. I can see the light now. There's the light. <laughs> I can see, I can see clearly now. <laughs> the rain has gone. It should have came into Johnny. It should have came into that song. Honestly, it's like when, when you watched Anelka at 17. Oh my God. In those training sessions. And I'm not, and I'm not even lying. And I'm not disrespecting the forwards I played with before that. Because when you're playing at a club like Arsenal, what I realized when I got there from Palace is you can't, you have to be so tunnel vision in what you want to do in respects of scoring and staying in the team. Mm. I cannot feel like, of course you say, listen, I'm so pleased that I got, I'm getting so many chances made for me by the guys. I have to take these chances because I fucking want to stay in the team. So yeah. all I used to practice literally was finishing. Chris Waddle told it, said it to me in 1987 when I met him at a PFA do practice finishing. Mm. The difference between the second division and the first division is in the first division, you have to take half chances. That's what mm. it was, Moose. And so, so my, my, my mentality going to Arsenal was, I don't fear you guys simply because I'm so, I'm so tunnel vision in what I have to do to make sure I stay in the, in the team that until Anelka got there, guys, it's the first time you feel like, I'm a bit, I'm on shaky ground mm. because you saw the fucking ability that was not going to be stopped. No what way. You see that, what, was the, what was the thing you saw that really... You know something? Away. What was the thing? What was the main there thing? There was, um, he had a move that he could do, especially. He's, he, he done it with the Man his first goal against Man United. He used to do, remember, he, on his right foot, he comes in and you, you can't even see the foot come back. You don't even really see the foot come back to hit it as hard as he did. And he could do that with left foot, right foot. He could go past people, he linked the play, leap higher than Tony Adams and Boldy at 17. You know what I mean? Everything about the way he was playing. You're just thinking, well, unless we see some major kind of like, I don't know, fall off, like in respects of rock and roll outside the game vibe. This guy's going all the way. He's going all the way. I remember Paul Merson come from a reserve game and said, that's the closest I've seen to Brazilian Ronaldo. Um, wow. It, wow. It, that's what Paul Merson said when he came back. 
Wow, that is so. And then you see him training and you're thinking to yourself, Jesus, it is. I can see it's a matter of time. And remember, Arsene Wenger was was trying to, at some stage, because he knew about Thierry, because that was, and then he, he didn't, he didn't account for Anelka and everything that happened with Anelka and the brothers and everything. He didn't account for him to leave. That was going to be it. Anelka was going to be nine. Thierry was going to be coming from the left like he liked doing. My God. That was, that was where we were going at Arsenal. You talked about elite finishing. Did you see Barca on Monday? You guys tell me about what you think about it. So, so, so then I can tell you about what I think. You want to go first, Musa? I'm too emotional. Can I just gather myself? All you right. carry on, <laughs> <laughs> Well, the thing... The thing... <laughs> The thing that um, left my jaw on the floor on the first goal was the first touch. It's the the touch where he gets like, so the defender's sliding in and he hits this touch, which is like, you know when you see like tennis players just just kind of fucking around and they've got a Mm -hmm. tennis ball and they're just hitting like mad slice and it's going a yard in front of him and it spins right back and again Mm. and again and again. Mm. It was like that kind of touch. He hits this touch with like the outside of his foot Mm. that, Dinks it over the defender, bounces, spins into his path, second touch, third touch, mm. bang. Bang, yeah. yeah. Like, and the thing is, he obviously scored the second one, which was deflected, but still, that's like three, I think that's three goals in a row that Messi scored outside the box. Mm. Yeah. Griezmann obviously had the second one. Oh. And on the German comms, they, they use this um, phrase and it basically just means, you know, whatever, what you can do, I can do better. And I was like, yeah, but the space that Griezmann had. Yeah. You know, I think I, think I might have been able yeah. to get a shot off. And why was the space is, there? Why was the space there? Because everyone was in fear. Yeah, yeah. exactly. Because Everyone's of what happened on the first one. But, but um, that's why the wolf had room because all, all the all the bears were all the little cubs were staying home. <laughs> Everyone else was staying home. The fox yes. cubs. Was... Sorry, but yeah, just what I felt on this. Like I want to say two things. The first one was the second goal. It was inevitable. The moment he picked it up, he was going to score. You knew it. Yeah. You'd seen that. You'd seen you that since it. he was seventeen. You and the second thing is, they actually defended him really quite well. Yeah. Yeah, yeah, yeah. Nobody did a bad job. You come off at half time and, you know, your coach is going, actually, you know what, lads? It's okay. It's calm. Mm-hmm. It's just what Messi does. They yeah. say that it's like in basketball when you have Kevin Durant scoring against like elite defenses. It's like, well, we played really well against him. We just can't do it. It's, it's messy. Yeah. Yeah. Sometimes people that. are just too good. But yeah. this is, what, this is exactly good. what I'm going to say about like, even, like the first goal and the way that Messi just uses the defenders to, to just bend it around the keeper. He scores that goal so frequently. And the reason why he does is because you literally can't stop it because his technique is so good right. that you've got the defenders, they're backing off and rightly so because Lionel Messi is now on the ball. You're not going to start diving in, are you? No. So you say, right, let's so. back off and let's hope. And you know what you're almost doing? You're almost saying, let's hope he doesn't get it right. Let's hope that he's trying to bend it outside the post to come back in or just in, in, the, in that top corner. Let's hope he don't get it right. So I'm not going to dive in and commit myself. And he gets it right. He gets it right because he's, he's the best. I you think, know, the, 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 honestly, it's, it's like when you watch it, you just think to yourself, well, how do you stop that, right? How do you stop it? Because the, the defenders are saying, right, let me just make sure I jockey him. I cut, I'm not going to let him blast it. And he's just bent his body, leant over and whipped it outside post and it, it curls in. Well, how do you stop it? I don't know, but something's different this season than last season. And I think that what's happening this season is at Barca is quite interesting compared to where I think people thought it was going to go. Like we said after they went out of the Champions League, mm-hmm. they don't need a huge rebuild. They don't need to tear the whole thing down and bring it back up because of the players that they have coming through oh my God, are yeah. of a quality that they mm-hmm. haven't had for a while. Like the thing about La Masia is a little bit of a myth. I think people assume that it is 
this constant so conveyor, conveyor belt, belt of yeah. like absolute top tier talent. It's not, mm. it's not at all. It never has been apart from that one golden generation. But what it has always done is provided or produced very, very good footballers that will go and play in other, mm. in other clubs around right. Europe or especially in Spain. They had that one generation, obviously, that was kind of like the class. It's like the class of 92 at Manchester United. The class of 92, every young crop of players that comes through now, it always gets compared or, it, or it's like confirmation bias of like how, how good Manchester United's youth system is. But it's a, it's a really good youth system in the same way that La Masia is, is in that if they're not going to make it at Manchester United, they will go on to have very, very good professional careers. Mm-hmm. The thing is at the moment at Barca, I think that they have a few youngsters coming through that are for the first time anywhere near the level of those, or have the potential to be anywhere near the level of those golden era graduates. I mean, it's key to point out that obviously Pedri isn't a La Masia graduate. He's came from Las Palmas, right? Right. But Ricky Pooch, there are a, a, a whole host of them combined with players like Serginho Dest, Frankie de Jong, mm. and just players who are, I don't know, Messi seems to be having fun for the first time in a long time. And I, I think love that the, might be. The way he's hugging people. I love the yeah. hug. Yeah. There, is, there is one thing though that I always notice that like, to, I don't know if I put it in the group or if I was saying it to Musa, but it's kind of like whenever Griezmann's the first one on the scene. <laughs> It's almost like he's looking for Ricky Pooge or Pedri. <laughs> it's like, where are my boys? Where are my boys? Where are my boys? Like, just, his face he, looks so happy when yeah. he's hugging yeah. these guys. But just like, you look at Ricky Pooge. Like Ricky Pooge came on for like the last 10 minutes or something. He was just like, oh, I get to play 10 minutes. <laughs> Yay. Like Pedri strikes me as just someone who, like there's, there's one young footballer that comes in that seems to, like all the old guys straight away will just be like, this kid's cool. Yeah, like he'll be the one who gets taken out. Yeah, with the big to guys. the bars with the big guys. You know what it's like? like? You know what I mean? Like, like Pedri is that yeah. guy. Pedri is the one that you can just tell everyone's <laughs> just like, "This kid's cool, man. This kid's." Cool. You know, it's funny. I I see Pedri as like a Jack Russell and like Ricky Pooch like a golden retriever <laughs> in terms of their respective energy. You know, like a Jack Russell is just so clever that yeah. it will like it will actually teach a baby how to crawl. It's like that smart, and the golden retriever will just help with anything. But they're both like they're both smart and like team first, if that makes sense, mm. and. What's exciting about Barca is the personalities of these young players, right? Like Ilaix, um, Ansu Fati, is that very rare blend of they're deferential, but they take responsibility. They all do it. So they're all like really adorable. And they all say this love is for social media. But like when they're, those four players, they're counted upon to do elite things. Yes. They will, they run towards responsibility. Like they run towards possession. I saw um, someone tweeting, was it Mike Goodman? He was talking about how Pedri combines with Messi so often it's difficult to tell how good Pedri is in isolation. And I, I know what he meant because he was like, you know, it's hard to isolate his stats. Mm-hmm. I, I, I would look at it differently. I would look at it. There was that thing that, sorry, Iniesta, Iniesta Claxon. There's um, <laughs> the thing that Messi said that in tight games, he likes Iniesta near to him. And in tight games, he likes Pedri near to him, mm. which is the ultimate compliment, I think. You know, he's always looking for that connection. You know, I was watching obviously last night and no one changes the direction of a game like Busquets. No one. No one. I've never seen anyone throw as many fakes before passing the ball. than. But mm-hmm. I've never seen anything like it. I remember I first saw it in the, it was the Champions League finals and I, it blew me away because I couldn't work out how Busquets was completing so many simple passes and I realised he was faking the whole time. And I'm seeing a similar assurance on the ball not just from Frankie de Jong, but from players far younger. That's what blows me away. There are multiple players in that Barcelona team who two years from now, mm. 
They could be running things. Do you think, yeah. do you think this is, do you think Messi is, 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 is as happy as I've seen him? And do you think that's because what he's obviously seen in training, what they're doing, and like you say, that they're, they're players who are stepping up in respects of responsibility as young as they are. You think he's happy because he knows that whether or not they can reach the heights and he's still got the powers, because we still see he's got the powers to, to continue to carry him to the place so as he can then drive them through. Do, do you think he's now seeing that? Yeah. He's got to be seeing, he's seeing that, isn't yeah, he? Yeah, I remember when Ansu Fati first came through and that was in a, in a squad whose age profile was far higher than what it is now. Mm. And it was in a far more dysfunctional team. Mm. And Messi just looked for him all the time, gave him the ball all the time. And that, yes. we always said on Stadio, we were like, that's the biggest tell who we trust. Like when he trusts right. you, he will trust you. And yes. there would be times where he would ignore Griezmann and go to Ansu Fati. Yes. In the tight spaces. Ricky Pooch as well. Yeah. But still, yeah, Ricky Pooch, when Ricky Pooch came in, he would give him the ball all the time. He does it with Pedri. And I think the thing, I, I mean, I have no insight into what's going on there, but the thing that I imagine is that Messi's looking around at Pedri, who's 17, mm. and Ansu Fati, who's 18 now, at these young guys and being like, at Ricky Pooch and being like, you're as fearless as I was when I broke into the team with Ronaldinho. And I think before he would look around at more established players who should know better and should have been delivering more and was kind of like, where's my help? Whereas mm. now, we always said this on, on Stadio, not wanting to give ourselves props, but it was like, it was bad at Barca, but a lot of that was because of just Bartomeu's pres presence. Now he's yes. gone. And although Laporta isn't the ideal guy, he's a good guy for now it's moved away from the philosophy that was being run, that the club has been running for a decade. It, I'm, I'm not so sure it's, it's as cut and dried that he's going to leave now. I think that mm. Messi is ideal to have there in terms of managing the transition into a new era because Perfect. I think he really likes the guys. Yeah. Yeah, just very quickly. It's almost like this isn't the ending. It's almost like a, it's like a bittersweet short story. Like it's not the ending the hero would necessarily have wanted for himself at the beginning but it's mm. one that's oddly fitting because it's easy to forget a couple of things. Messi is a doting dad, right? He, mm. He's a doting father and he loves Barcelona, the club and the city. Like he's a huge Barcelona fan. This is the mm. thing. And to know that you're basically going to hand over the club in good condition, at least on the field, a sense of stewardship, like what better antidote could you have to a club, a billion euros in debt, to know that it didn't need to spend a huge amount to bring in talent because it had it right there. Mm. And all they had to do was look after each other. Frankie Dion competed like his six, first 60 passes of the game. Mm. He, he barely lost the ball last night. Mm. And he played a very like, you know, he sat back, very reserved role. Like that is what they have to work with there. Mm -hmm. Like Messi as a dad and Messi as a football fan, yeah. much more exciting than Messi, the medal chaser at this point, and maybe yeah. more satisfying. And also Absolutely. just, they're, they're four points off the top of the league and they have to play Atleti and, they've, and there's a Classico coming up. So... Gonna be, it's going to be good. As they, what is it? We have league. We have league. We have league B. <laughs> this episode is brought to you by Jiffy Lube. Cars can be a big investment, so it's important to take care of them. I once got a car that I started out with 25,000 miles on. I got it to over 200,000 miles because I took care of it. You know how you take care of a car? You take care of the maintenance, the oil, the brakes, all that stuff. And if you don't, 
you can have a car just completely fall apart. When your car needs maintenance, head to Jiffy Lube. They provide automotive excellence at speed. Get your oil changed, brakes checked, tons of other multi-care services. It's all done by expertly trained technicians who actually care about taking care of you and your car. Jiffy Lube, car more. To find coupons and start an instant online estimate, visit jiffylube.com. This episode is brought to you by State Farm. You might say all kinds of stuff when things go wrong, but these are the words you really need to remember. Like a good neighbor, State Farm is there. They've got options to fit your unique insurance needs, meaning you can talk to your agent to choose the coverage you need, have coverage options to protect the things you value most, file a claim right on the State Farm mobile app, and even reach a real person when you need to talk to someone. Like a good neighbor, State Farm is there. With United, um... And West Ham going there in the form they're going there in, and no Jesse Lingard, massive miss for them. Yeah, and this, I hate that rule. Yeah, it's it's ridiculous, isn't it? Because if you don't feel that a player, if a player is good enough to be in your team, remember Jesse Lingard wasn't making the match day squads, so he wasn't right. even he wasn't even getting changed, and so he then goes to West Ham, does, and he's not allowed to play against you. Mm. You know, it's it's it does seem like one that you think to yourself. It's probably the, the game he wants to play in, but you can see all the variables in it though. Can mm. you imagine? You're playing that game, um, you know what I mean? You, you might injure your mate. Or it's just really weird hey, what may happen. Right, you know, uh, I know I know it's not like me to big up the Bundesliga, right? But um, mm-hmm. <laughs> you, you can play against your parent club in the Bundesliga and it's, see, often, yeah, know, it's, man, often, it's often quite fun, man. I think, was it Hannes Wolf scored against Leipzig this season for Did Gladbach? he celebrate? Yeah, he celebrated. It's like, yeah, <laughs> football is meant to be. Yeah, but one of the ways <laughs> I've seen is Coutinho playing for Bayern. Yeah. You know what I mean? And and, and winning the winning the Champions League. I mean that's peak. You know, and then going back and then and then going back to, to like Barcelona. That has to be the worst transfer of all time. Easily. It's surely- just in terms of the amount spent, the return investment, and then the ultimate, like the eight two just for me capped it off. It's the worst transfer of all time, I think. Easily. But with United and Moy can I just say with Moyes, I was so so disappointed with what he was trying to do, mm. you know, because he's never won there. You could see why, because he goes there and he instantly, no matter what his team's doing, even when he had those vibrant Everton sides that could go somewhere and frighten teams, he still went very negative. Went so negative the other day. And I know that he's missing Jesse Lingard, but he, he, he still had Lanzini and Ben Rama, who, if, you, if you're going to play Suchek and Rice, then you can, you can, you can easily fit in a Ben Rama and make it a triangle like you did with Mark Noble. You know, no disrespect to Mark Noble. And then if anything, you know, you could still, you could still bring on a Lanzini or so. You could be more, I would have just gone very attacking against United because they start so slowly. They always start so slowly. So if you can, just put them under the cosh straight away because Man United are not, they want to counterattack. Of course they do. But the fact is you've got two pivots, West Ham. And you've got a defence that's really quite hard to breach. You haven't really got anybody that if you can contain Man United and let them have to come from the wings and try and cross it, West Ham will deal with that all day. He should have went a little bit more positive to try and beat Man United in this time. And then in the end, he brought on Lanzini and Ben Rama anyway. You're not going to Man United and winning. You've not done it for, what, 15 games we're talking about. And if you're going to go there now when West Ham got the opportunity to go into the top four and stay in there, then when when are you going to... Just like let the guys off the leash, bro. Maybe that's why I'm not a manager. 
<laughs> I think what, can you imagine yeah. if you were a manager, we'd be on the stadio being like, righty is managing on vibes. <laughs> oh my goodness. <laughs> Pure vibes. He's managing yeah, on you know vibes. What? He's rollerblading. He's doing team talks on rollerblades. Uh, exactly. What is this? I would literally come out, right? I'd come out Moose afterwards and say, no, nah, man, I, that was vi- I had a vibe earlier on in the week and I thought, you know what? I'm going to go with this. Because at the end of the day, if you've got defend- a defence that can do their stuff, because they're experienced players, you've got them two guys in front, vibes up front. <laughs> I think in a game like this, when you look at like afterwards, to lose the game from an, from an own goal, from a set mm. piece, to not have even had a shot on target for West Ham, yeah, I think they'd be absolutely kicking themselves. I think this is a massive missed opportunity. If West Ham go there in the current climate and beat United or give them a real chasing and get something, the confidence then goes again because remember where they're, what they're trying to do. West Ham are doing something now where they're in danger of, well, we're not meant to be here, so anything now, if we start slipping off, you know what I mean? It, no one's expecting us. And people say, oh, we've had a great season. If they win that game with the games they've got coming up, then whoever's coming, you're not bothered. Can you see why he set up that way? Because they were quite no. conservative. No, because like, you know what? I guarantee you after this game, and I, 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 you could feel it, you could see the players walking off. After this game, you could tell when the players are not happy with the system that they, they're meant to play. You could see it. You could see it in the body language. You could see it in Mikel Antonio. All of a sudden, he's playing wide on the right, maybe having to stop Luke Shaw. What for? When he's having one of those seasons where you look at him, there's not really a defender in the league that likes playing against him. So why would you then take him out of the firing line for people like Lindelof and Harry Maguire? They can't stop him once he gets into his flow. If he gets the ball linked, he'll hold it, he'll link. If he starts running with it, they can't stop him. Why not put him in his most, in his most potent position to cause Harry Maguire and Lindelof problems? And then you put behind him, now you haven't got Jesse Lingard, Ben Rama, or even Lanzini to pick up the ball in places where you can cause Man United problems. If you then lose, at least you lose going there, playing a way that your players are saying, yeah, well, I was comfortable with that. That was unlucky. I should have maybe taken that chance. Maybe if I'd done... Then you've got more things to take from the game than you're coming off the pitch thinking, Jesus, well, you know, we, we literally gave them that. We gave them that because we didn't even have a go at them. West Ham could have done it. They could have done it. Yeah. Because the one thing that you look at Man United and you see, they, they're going to start slow. They'll have a period and they've got Bruno Fernandes. If I'm going to be totally honest, it's starting to look a bit tired. I don't blame him. So you put the pressure on them. Then all of a sudden, you know, you nick a goal, maybe nick another one. Bam. You, you've got a Man United team that we've seen can, can just fade away. Do you know what I would have loved to have seen? Just more crosses. West Ham are just like, they've done crosses, crosses, crosses and racked up like, the amount of numbers that Man United had that game against Fulham and they yeah. and then they'd won yeah. the game and just be like, who's fucking laughing now, lads? <laughs> hey? Hey? Oh my goodness. Yeah? Yeah? <laughs> I don't know. <laughs> you know, I mean, like I said, my, my main problem with United, Moose, is, is, um, is the, you know, the, the front men, the, the front men and what they're going to do. Like, listen, Go and get Haaland. Go and get Stop Sancho. It. What are you doing? Go and right get him. Leave him. Leave, no, him, leave my... him be. Leave him alone. <laughs> Mason Greenwood is the plan, isn't he? That's Mason Greenwood is the plan. That's the thing, isn't it? This idea that um, almost like a Calvert Lewin thing, where all other parts of the game will be perfected and then the goals will come, mm. which in a, in a way is very daring, enterprising, progressive. All the rest of it. I mean, he could be like a Louis Saha, really, in terms of that movement across the line, the ability mm. to finish the left-footedness also helps 
But Mason Greenwood is, he is the real deal. He's, yes. But at yes, the same time, it's a difficult position for them because they almost have to recruit. It's very hard to get a profile of senior striker who is in that bracket, the kind of Cavani bracket, maybe a couple of years younger, who can mm. play those minutes and then you can ease someone in. It's very hard to find that kind of player profile anywhere in, in world football. Can I just mention Donny van der Beek, please, for a oh. second? Because it, it's starting to be sad. Yeah. It's a real, yeah. it's, a, it's, a, it's turning into, for me, unfortunately for him, it, he must be like pulling his hair out because we're talking about a player that's been gro- it's come through uh, a youth system and an academy of possession football, making movements off of that yes. and doing what he'd done. We saw him get in, in the Champions League when it's against Tottenham. Against Inter- magnificent player. You look at him now with Man United who do not play possession football. Why did they buy the guy? What is he supposed to do? What's he thinking now? I really, really feel for him. I get really frustrated. I got, I felt like this when um, Frankie de Jong went to Barcelona. I saw the Barca fans being very critical of him. And I see the same United, like, you know, he hasn't shown this, he hasn't shown that. It's a different club. It's United. It's like, this man ran the Champions League. Mm-hmm. He ran the show. In, mm-hmm. in, we saw him do it, Ryan. And it, it really frustrates me that now, because he's had these few months out of sorts, people are questioning the underlying talent, the mentality. No, it's just the wrong setup for him. Yeah. Absolutely. You know, it's, it's sad, but like all three of those big Ajax talents, De Litt, De Jong and Van der Beek, they've all struggled and they all moved to clubs that were not in the right place to receive them. Mm. It's really, really sad actually because they're sad. elite, they're elite talents. Holland should go to Brighton. <laughs> can we, can we actually give some love to Brighton? Yeah. Yeah. We should give love to Brighton. Finally, they've, they've won. More than just the XG battle. <laughs> Danny Welbeck you, with the hold-up play. When you look at Brighton, when you look at Brighton and they've dropped like 17 points from winning positions and then you look at the, you look at the manager. I remember that the, the Palace game was, it, it was just typical. You know when you watch a game now, and this is why people, I never liked when footballers, used to hear footballers said, yeah, well, I've played a game. So I'm, football fans know the game. And when we were sitting watching the Palace-Brighton game and they're missing the chances continually, you're just thinking, you know what? They're going to they're pay for that. Yeah. They've done that so many times. It's, it, it's literally simple. They miss too many chances. They create chances. They miss too many chances. And this is why I thought this could be so brilliant for Danny Welbeck. But then what happens is, is that with Danny Welbeck, you know, I've seen him come on and I've seen him miss chances where you think to yourself, at this stage of your career, you, you know, they've got you for a year. You take those chances, you probably get another year and you carry on, but you can't miss those chances. That's why he's there. That's why they, they, they probably signed him because of his experience. They miss too many chances and they're very lucky that someone like a, a Newcastle or that you've got Newcastle who are in kind of a free fall situation. West Brom and, and, and you've got Sheffield United who have gone, who are worse off than them. Danny Welbeck's never been like, had the, he's never had like the, the highest conversion rate, has he though? He's never been like a... Prolific, no, not like that. Because also he's not the guy who, um, you know, like someone like, you know, Javier Saviola. Saviola would have no I've chance. I've said. Well, like, you know, or actually another one, like, or like, actually River Plate players, like Fernando Cavanaghi, that kind of player that were like, would just not get many opportunities and then just get one and just be that guy. Mm. Welbeck was never that player. I wonder sometimes at clubs like Brighton, if when you start missing chances as a team, it becomes like a collective thing where 
the confidence is low because you look around the dressing room and you've had a couple of games of bad finishing and you can't tell who the reliable finisher is going to be. And if you can't tell who that is week after week, the anxiety grows. You know, you see it a lot, right? You see good players playing in relegation games and all of a sudden the touch is not so good. And yeah. does that makes sense what I'm saying. Yeah. yeah, because of pressure. The pressure. I still don't think they'll go down. I never really thought they would go down because I think the thing is when you, I know a lot of people sneer at XG and stuff like that and they sneer at stats, but they, they do really serve a purpose in, in the sense that I, an example I always use was that I wrote a piece ages ago pre-Stadio about when, um, um, remember when Arsenal were on that unbeaten run under Emery at the beginning and it was like 22, and, 22 games unbeaten or something like that and they hit the November international break. Mm. It was kind of like, yeah, this is good, but Arsenal were massively outscoring XG and massively overperforming expected goals conceded. So essentially they were riding their luck and relying on Bernd Leno to make wonder saves yeah. at the back and relying on Lacazette and Aubameyang to score at a ridiculously high clip. And what usually happens with stuff like XG, it normalizes. Yeah. So with Brighton, I was, you know, we have a couple of friends who support Brighton and I was always saying to them, yeah, but you will be fine, I think, because you cannot continually register that amount of XG for a sustained mm. amount of period without it catching up. And yeah, they may not. I mean, actually, weirdly, I think the, the Southampton game was probably their biggest outperformance of XG for, for ages. But it does tend to normalise. Like, I think it's something that's quite common in the stats community. Mm. You see that these kind of numbers tend to balance themselves out. So if I was a Brighton fan, I'd be far more pleased the fact that they're creating chances. That's the thing. But that's right, the thing. Right. It then means that the process is fine. You know yeah, what I mean? Yes, it's just, yes, it's just yes. it's the final tweet. Well, that's, that's what you'd look at. When you're in the dressing room, you know, as, as Brighton, like for instance, you, you see the, the chances they're creating, you see the, the, the chances they're missing. You look at, I look at Mope and Mope has got everything for me in respects of a striker at this level who could go on a bit of a tear in respects of, one every three or then all of a sudden a couple because he's got a nastiness, he's got a gnarliness, he's got a, he upsets defenders, he's, he's got a good strike, you know what I mean? He's got some decent movement, everything to be in this league and, and score the kind of goals where you say, yeah, decent Premier League striker. But <clears throat> what happens with the team is when you watch games and you see that your strikers are missing but you're doing the same things, the only thing you could take from that is we just got to hope that one of these guys fucking hit, like catch light. Yeah. Because yeah. if you stop doing the things, like for instance, if the strikers stop getting in there to miss because they're now worried, and I think that the fans not being there may help them. Because what happens when you are missing chances and everybody knows, yeah, but Brighton create chances, but they miss too many. And then you've got a whole crowd in there and all of a sudden the striker, he might be a bit apprehensive in getting in there because I don't want to miss, oh God, the fans are on my back. They all know that we're struggling to take chances. And if I miss, it's going to be like more pressure. Those things are probably going through your mind while people are watching the game build up. Oh my God, you know what I mean? We need to win this game. I can't afford to. I've never gone into a game when I was playing because I've, I'm very fortunate. And I say it all the time when they, when they say stuff, when you're sitting on the pundit, when you're doing punditry with somebody who's been in a relegation battle and I say, wow, what was that like? You know what I mean? And then, because I've never had to try and well, no, take mate. chances. Well, no, mate. <laughs> <laughs> Couldn't be me. But do you understand what I'm saying? So I've never been in the pressure of having to take a, the chance when you have to win the game because mm. if you don't, you drop into the bottom three. Or, so I've always been quite curious as to how do you, when you're training, what are you thinking? Because when you go onto the pitch, knowing that if a chance comes to me, I have to take it. Otherwise, 
you know what I mean? We, our team will probably go down. And everything that comes with that is something that you take onto the pitch and you are worried. So the point I was trying to make is, is that the other, the other players are hoping that somebody starts to catch fire because if you keep missing the chances, then what happens is, is that if you go a goal down, you literally think you're going to lose the game. Right. Do you know what I think would be an amazing signing for Brighton? I genuinely mean this, is Theo Walcott. And the reason I say that is because... He's got that energy. He's he? just yeah. like, oh, I missed. Yeah. <laughs> he's brilliant like that. Someone told me an amazing story about Drogba in the... Um... Happy birthday to Didier. I think it was his birthday recently. Hey. Didier, yeah. Yes. Yeah. Um, someone told me a story about him. I think it was the, the semi-final against Spurs when they beat them 5-1. And just before he scores that incredible strike where he turns Gallas and just rips it top corner. Mm. He said just before that, he'd actually missed a good chance. Mm. And you couldn't tell watching back the highlights. Hi, I'm Daniel, founder of Pretty Litter. Did you know cats tend to hide symptoms of sickness and pain? I learned this the hard way after losing my cat, Gingy. So I created Pretty Litter, a health monitoring litter that helps detect early signs of illness by changing colors, saving you money and potentially your cat's life. Pretty Litter is veterinary and developed, and it's the easiest way to keep tabs on your fur baby's health right at home. Go to prettylitter.com and use code SPOTIFY for 20% off your first order and a free cat toy. Terms and conditions apply. See site for details. Should we give flowers? Step. Have to, have to. I'm going to give out a couple of bunches today. And I want to give out some nice wildflowers with lovely colours as well. So, Because I'm giving some to Sam Kerr. And then we'll go on and we speak about um, Iniacho as well, because he's got to get some. But Sam Kerr, um, Sam Kerr, in, in respect of a striker, I remember early on in the season, we were talking about the chances and the missing the chances. And, mm. you know, she's one of those strikers that remind me of a, what did I say? I thought, Cavani, you know, the movement. Even the Bamiyang, they've got unbelievable movement. Sometimes they miss certain chances. But that their movement is so good, they get themselves into positions where, for me, all they should be really doing, because they've got this natural, unbelievable movement, is finishing. Because the movement comes naturally. And then when you looked at her goals the other day and where they were and out, the proximity of the goal she was, just bam, tapping, bam, tapping. Obviously, track Frank Kirby's amazing. But watching a striker like that is something that I say to myself is, they're always going to score goals. Right. And some, at some stage, like we've seen with Cavani's of this world, just gets, it just gets boiling hot. And then he'll get into a situation where you see him miss a chance where you think, how did you miss that? But that's what Sam Kerr is about. That's, how, that's Sam Kerr's energy with her movement and her finishing. And the fact is, if you're getting the ball in and around that area, with this Chelsea side where, when you look at the Chelsea team and even the, Chelsea bench and what Chelsea are capable of doing and what they did to Bristol City. You know what I mean? I'm laughing, but I'm not laughing out of jest. I'm just laughing at the sheer brilliance of this Chelsea side. They're just like a monster. And then, you know, you can afford to miss chances. You can afford to miss chances when you've got that move because people are going to create, you're going to get more chances. The way she combines as well, isn't it? It's the way that um, with a variety of different players, you can put Jisoo Yon in there. You can, I remember when um, she first joined, GCM was finding her immediately. Now, mm. G was on the bench in this game. Then you have Wright in finding her. Kirby, their, their understanding is another level. But it's the way that Kerr peels wide. Mm. And, you know, this, the thing about, you know, the thing about nines is the ability to occupy the space, the edge of the six-yard box, and then pull away to the edge of the box and play the link up. And it's yes. sad because I watched a couple of games um, recently and you have, you see it with the Barcelona, the men's team, and you see it with Chelsea to an extent now. And they don't have that person, that predator, that really fast predator attacking 
the six yard box, like living there, like it's their habitat. Mm, yeah. Yeah. And the thing about Kerr, the thing I love about the tapping is someone who's comfortable three, four yards from goal. Now tappings get a bad rap actually. Oh, you know, goal hangers. No, actually mm. it takes courage to be in that space. People don't know that. Like it's, being in the six yard box, the six yard box is not a flat space. It's actually like a mountain. It's altitude and people get altitude sickness. They don't like mm. it. Some players hate going there. You see it in basketball, some players don't like driving into the paint because they get banged up. Some people don't like, some strikers don't like the six yard box. They fear it and they'll do anything to go in it. They'll go and they'll cross and mm. like, oh, the link up play is so good. What it is, is that what people have to understand with strikers in the six yard box and why I always say, what, just get in between the whip for the post, man. Just stay in there. Yeah. You know what I mean? I know in these times that strikers have got to be going and doing other stuff, but stay in there. Calvert-Lewin, because you hear people say, God, he's always in the right place at the right. It's not luck. Mm. It's not, oh, right. look, here he is. Oh, look, he's lucky he's gone to him. No, it's not luck. Because if you're in a place where the ball has got to come past to get towards a goalkeeper that's trying to save it, you get yourself in between where that might be. At some stage, the ball's going to be in and around you, maybe a yard that side, yard that side. And you're going to be able to get something on it. It's going to bounce down and you're going to be able to hit it in, hit it in and stuff like that. It's, it's, for me, it feels very logical and like common sense as a striker to just be in there. It just feels like that. And that's what you have to, you can learn it because I learned it off Gary Lineker. When I first came into the game, I wanted to do great stuff and do great skills. You know what I mean? But then obviously I had to learn how to make runs to lose better defenders. And the higher you go, you have to, you have to have more than just like, oh, I want to do great skills and I want to... No, you have to be able to say, right, Jesus Christ, I'm not even getting any chances in this game. So you have to sniff a chance out. Mm-hmm. I have to get to the... I have to move him here so I can get to the near post to get half a yard on his face so that it hits my head before his head, which is like not even a, not even a, foot, a, a yard behind me. You've just right. got to get... Once I learned how important half a yard was, my game went to, went, went to a place where I realised, yeah, I could get somewhere with this game. I think that was the thing about Kerr earlier on in the season and parts of last season was just like, you could see the Kerr who had been like so, so dangerous at the clubs before, like even at Chicago before she moved to Chelsea and back in Australia. Mm-hmm. But her actual Women's Super League record is pretty good considering that people, I think, assume that she's been quite wasteful for a lot of the season. Mm-hmm. Like she scored, I think she scored 13 in 20. Right in yeah. the league, which yeah, is but people like people do that right. People you know always mean? look at the misses, but thirteen in twenty, it's unbelievable. Yeah, and the fact that like she scored a hat trick in the Conti Cup final, you know, it was the biggest in in the final. It was the biggest margin of victory ever in a women's league cup final. I think she just had a bit of a slow start. You know, it's one of those ones where it's the initial thing creates the prejudice for later. Mm. So Henri had that, didn't he? You know, Henri yeah, had that same yeah, thing. You know, while, of yeah. course. Mm. The, the one thing I want to do, I've been watching the old because um, UEFA. Uh, thankfully putting up more of the Women's Champions League uh, highlights from the old days. So you can go back mm. and watch the old finals and stuff on them. And they had a player at Wolfsburg did something similar to what Sam Coe's doing now is Martina Muller they had, mm. who was like penalty box, like legend who just thrived on that thing. And it, to me, it's like, it's not even the scoring goals, it's occupying that space. You know, I'm not sure that Kai Havertz is going to work out as a nine at Mm-mm. Chelsea. I'm not sure yet because I'm not sure if he has that killer instinct in the box. But just in terms of the, the positional sense, Amazing. it's so key. And yeah, just- Could you imagine if he could learn that, if he, if he had the instincts to, to be able to learn that with his ability, being in that yeah. part of the field, what he, what he could be. And I think, I, I think with the Kerr thing, I mean, frankly, I, yeah. think, I think part of that is just that we were just stuck at home for so long. We overanalyzed stuff. I think you it's think? partly that. Yeah, and also she was a high profile signing who moved to Chelsea, mm. who, who were already yeah. stacked. But the thing is, it's like you look at the, 
you look at the players that she's been keeping out of the Chelsea squad. Like mm-hmm. she's been consistently keeping Beth England out of the squad, yeah. uh, out of the starting eleven. Who, who was, was having an unbelievable was the player of the year last yeah. season. Mm. Yeah, she's an elite yeah. striker. Yeah, the hat trick in yeah it was against Bristol City. Loads of people expect them to win the game. Of course, Chelsea against Bristol City. You do fancy Chelsea to to beat them. You, they're favourites by far. You look at their bench. Even their bench is, is, is amazing. But the fact. Bristol City will have gone into that game with some form of game plan. Didn't even get fucking off the ground, guys. Mm. We're talking about Chelsea's mentality, the players they had, Frank Kirby, even Frank Kirby passing to Sam Kerr. She's going into the area. She could score a hat-trick herself. Bam, Frank Kirby passes it to Sam Kerr. She gets her hat-trick. They've got such a different and like ruthless mentality that, you know, with all due respect to Bristol City, they didn't realise it, but they didn't have a chance because the attitude and the mentality of the Chelsea players is fucking elite. And this is what they're up against. Mm. So I look at that score and I don't say, hey, Bristol, man, Jesus, this is embarrassing. No, no, no. For me, Chelsea, with what they've got, not only on the pitch, but their manager, the bench, are an elite side. Yeah, to be honest, I don't think, I don't think, I don't think a lot of people come out of that alive. No, no, not that. Not with Frank Kirby in this form. No. The ultimate compliment to Bristol City is that, like I say, they respected us. Mm. They really respected us. They didn't do that thing where they sort of let us build, do our own thing. Like that mm-hmm. opening salvo, like, you know, watching that game, the opening two minutes. Yeah. What it scored after? It was 90 seconds, wasn't it? Mm. At their necks. Yeah, 90 seconds. At it reminded me a little bit. Was it the Manchester City, uh, Watford? Um, I think oh. final. Yeah. Yes, yes, a similar thing. You know, Chelsea have spent a lot of money. Like, Penilla Harder is the most expensive player in the world. Mm-hmm. Like, yeah. this isn't, and what, she on the bench? Still on the bench? Yeah, she's on yeah. the bench. Didn't get a game. So, Sam Kerr, well done and brilliant. Well done, Chelsea. Congratulations on Lucky Bristol City. But Sam Kerr's got to get flowers. And Kalechi Iniachov, guys. Um, for somebody who's kind of had a career where, when you look at his numbers at City, you know what I mean? What, this season, what was it? He's got. He's in 50 goals, he's got 50 involvements. Like in 50 goals, 76 starts. At Man City, 36, providing like 14 assists. We're talking about a player that's had to be in the shadow of a, an Aguero, you know, be in the shadow of a Vardy. Never, ever heard him complain about it to the point where I used to say, well, what does he do? What's his strengths? Because you don't see him play long enough to say, oh, that's what he does really well. And that's what he does. I tell you what, watching, watching some of his finishes, he needs a run of games and he just needs to be left there now because his link-up play, his, his ability to, to finish, he's got everything. And he's, he's doing it at a time where Leicester need it the most. So this might be his time now, I think, most guys. This might be his time where the manager could say, yes, yeah, okay, I, I trust you now. You can go and do your stuff. His goals per minute ratio in the Premier League is... It's only 120 minutes per goal. Wow. Mm. This season. That's really good. Yeah. It's really That's good. Brilliant. He's played 724 minutes and he's got six. Like in the, in the Europa League this season, it's, it's three goals, four assists in seven games. He's got to get flowers in the way he's, he's dealt with it. De- dedicated it to all mothers of the world, his, his, his hat-trick as well, because he lost his mum at 14 and all that. Oh my goodness. That was so sweet. And people forget that, that kind of stuff as well. It's a beautiful thing what he done there. Mm. You know, we're talking about we're obviously talking about a very humble guy gets on with his job, does his job. And I saw a kind of like, they done a video of him in the dressing room 
I think it's one of the other players. It might have been Ndidi or someone doing an interview with him. It was so sweet, man. It was so sweet. And it's just like, again, one of those players that you, you kind of like think, yeah, well, he's, he's, he's not fussed. He's, he doesn't, he never complains. I used to hear people say, yeah, well, he's just taking the money at City. He comes on, scores a couple of goals. Anyone could score goals in that side. You know, he's gone to Leicester. Oh, he's just gone to Leicester. He's not bothered if he plays or not. He's left the big club. Just gone to Leicester just to pick up. And then you think to yourself, you have to list, you have to, Look at this guy and see what he's doing, how he doesn't complain, how he gets on with it. You know what I mean? He gets a lot of stick because people say, well, he, what does he do? He comes on, sometimes he doesn't do anything, misses chances. Sometimes your time's when your time comes. Ali Adia, look at that. Ali Adia had the same problem at Arsenal. Highly rated, highly touted. Mm. And then you have a legendary striker, one of the greatest forwards of all time in the queue ahead of you. Yes. You can't shake or shift that person because your role is directly theirs. Yes. Iheanacho just got unlucky. And this is the thing, rather than criticise him as you're not doing, we should praise him because very, very few strikers in that position, like Ali Adier, make an outstanding career out of it because Mm. the initial bump down the leagues is is devastating for a lot of those players. You get bumped out on loan and then it's all of a sudden, oh, you're in the digs with us. Mm. You're in the digs with us. Yeah, you're not all that. Confidence goes down. Chances are not good. You might miss out on promotion somewhere. Bounce another club on loan and it's very fast. That is like snakes and ladders yeah. for a player like and that. And it happens very quickly. It's an incredible testament to him that he's managed Brilliant. to make it like this. And also here's about Leicester. Leicester's an incredible, that's a solid top four team at this point. Yeah, I was just about to say that like, cl- like fit player and club, sometimes the fit between the two is un- it's underestimated. Not everyone is a plug and play player. Mm. Yeah. I just think that Leicester... Over the last few years, since they won the league, even though their league title is obviously one of the greatest achievements in the modern era, I think the consistent presence there since has been as impressive, especially because of how deep the quality goes in the Premier League. Right. I just think it's a really great club for a player who may be at a Manchester City, Manchester United, Chelsea, somewhere like that, who isn't getting minutes to go to. Yeah. It's established in the top part of the Premier League. It's won a league title recently. It's got a great coach. It's got a lot of really good young players. Yeah. It's a great club to go to. And it's I think I, I think we said, who do we, we were talking about the other day, Moose, we said it's got Leicester written all over him. Oh, and, and Nezri from Sevilla. Like a player yes, like that yes. would just go to Leicester. Do you know what I mean? Like mm. that is a club now that a big, that a player who is doing really well for a kind of top eight La Liga side who may not go to one of the absolute top sides in La Liga or the mm. Premier League, as in like title challenging, can go to Leicester and it would be a great mm. club and they do really well. And I think Ian Acho is a prime example of that. Like when yeah, he went to Leicester, a load of people were just like, oh, he's, he's, he's not going to do much. Can we say this as well? Shout out to the foresight of Jamie Vardy and staying put because at the time there was yes, all that pressure. Arsenal. Yeah. Leave, you know, wherever he yeah. was going to go, you know, like, oh, leave, go somewhere else. And Vardy was like, no, stay put. And I actually love that. I love to see players staying at class, people say they should leave and it working out. Again, the Grealish thing. I love yeah. to see it work out. With the Vardy one, it's even, it's even, it's even better for Vardy because he's thinking to himself, yeah, Arsenal were after him and they really did want him. They really yes. went in hard. But if you've won a league at Leicester and you're comfortable there and if you're going to Arsenal, you're probably going to be under immense pressure to try and win the league and you've already done it. And you can get the same money. Why? Your legend forever. Vardy will retire a Leicester God, legend. Can you imagine, man? You got the credit, credit in the bank, man. Chill. Listen, get a deck chair. Get a cocktail. Listen, like. God. So listen, guys, I'm going to have to leave. I've got to go and do some stuff. I've got to leave the yard. I'm going to put the alarm on and everything. So <laughs> listen, 
Moose, I'll speak to you soon. Yeah, pleasure. Listen, I love the fact you got the second best drip of the podcast today. Really like your shirt. Do you like it? Yeah, you're stepping up. I really like that. It's Thanks good, a lot, man. Because it's, I it's thought it's, it's, it's not Ivy Park, but still. Oh, oh my God. Did you see my Ivy Park coat? Oh, we did. Oh my God. It, that destroyed it, us. It is the Thanos of coats. That coat's now in its own world, sitting, just looking out. At the, at the, just been, <laughs> yeah. You, and Thanos you, is wearing you it. Tucked, you tucked me in with that one. You tucked me in. <laughs> <laughs> Guys, let's take it easy. See you later, Take care. Nice, take care. Okay, guys, thank you very much for listening to Righty's House. Got to say thank you again to Ryan Han and Musa Kwongo. Like I say, like I'll always say in these times, stay safe, um, stay healthy, uh, and be positive. Take it easy, guys. See you soon. <laughs> <laughs>